This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Twenty Over 25% of women in the U.S. go to work, go back to work within two weeks of having their baby. So this expectation that we have this months of time to kind of recover, if you have to go back quickly, and that's the reality for some people, know that you have to find some time to take care of yourself. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about navigating your finances before and after pregnancy. A lot of couples face this difficult decision every single day. How do we keep living our current lifestyle as kids start to come into the picture? Or how are we going to manage the costs that come with having kids? Well, today I've invited someone on the show who faced a lot of these challenging questions as a young mother, and now she's helping other parents figure it out as well. Chelsea Brennan is my guest today. Chelsea is an ex-hedge fund investor turned full-time blogger. After years of working on Wall Street, she made a major life change to choose family, passion, and a positive impact on the world over money. Her story has been featured in major media outlets like Business Insider, The Penny Hoarder, and Forbes. Chelsea lives in Connecticut with her husband, two boys, a puppy named Stitches, and 14 crazy chickens. Welcome to the show, Chelsea. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. We'll have to get to those chickens at some point in the show. But first, (laughs) I want to ask you, why did you decide to leave your job on Wall Street? So, you know, the kids were a a big impetus for that, right? But I think it was long coming before then. Um, The job on Wall Street, I loved. I was good at it. But it caused a lot of stress in my life in a way that was bad for my mental health and also just bad for physical manifestations for it. I had an issue uh, my second year on the job where I lost feeling in the left side of my body and they like thought I was having a stroke. Um, And it turned out after like many doctor's appointments that it's a stress response for some people and the name for it is actually Wall Street syndrome. Um, Wow. (laughs) So that was terrifying. And then my pregnancy, you know, I postpartum depression after my first, and then my pregnancy with my second was tough and my water broke early and we were in the hospital. And that was, it was that moment that I was like, I can't do a few more years. We were on track to do the financial independence thing and and knew that I wanted to have kind of a second act entrepreneur career after that. Um, but it got moved forward when it just like my family needed me to be healthy more than me to do that job. Absolutely. Wall Street syndrome. Okay. And all those other, you know, physical and emotional things that you go through as a young mother or just somebody who's overworked for that matter. So <laughs> when you guys made this change, was this a big financial decision that you and your husband had to figure out? Absolutely. It was huge. My husband's a stay-at-home dad, uh, so we were entirely dependent on my income, and it was a, a, a sizable income, right? It's a hedge fund world is you're making a lot of money. Uh, we were at that point, you know, at over $400,000 a year wow. to go to zero because we, you know, we had the blog, but it wasn't allowed to be monetized for, for compliance reasons at that point. Um, it was a big change and something that we thought through carefully and actually sat, you know, like I said, we were in the hospital at that point, like with the spreadsheet open. Okay. How much longer, how long of a runway do we have without kind of 
digging into what was our financial independence savings. And we had about two years and we were like, that's enough time to kind of like regroup um, and figure out what's next. So we made the jump. So this was like a runway of savings for two years. Where, Where was this money held? Was this in like a high yield savings account or was it in a brokerage? How did that work? Yeah. So it was in a high yield savings account and the way it worked. Um, so, and I've shared this before, but we, the, what's weird about the hedge fund in the finance world is that two thirds, at least at my firm, two thirds of your income was paid on one day of the year. It was your annual bonus. Um, so you had your base pay and we always lived off our base pay and then, um, or less than our base pay. And then that two thirds that came in at the end of the year, was what we would sink away completely for financial independence. So when we were trying to make this decision, it was actually mid mid December. I talked to my firm. They were willing to like, you know, I'd already worked the full year. They were willing to pay my normal bonus. They weren't going to cut it if I wasn't going to come back after maternity leave. And we said like, okay, we'll just take that bonus um, and use it as our cushion this year. Instead of kind of sinking it away into, into what would have been our financial independence fund, we would use it as a runway. Okay. Can you tell people what a financial independence fund is? <laughs> so it was just like, all our different retirement accounts and investment accounts that were, we were tracking that net worth is what we would pull on if we decided to kind of do the early retirement thing. Got it. Got it. Okay. I see. So you talked about your husband being a stay-at-home dad. Was this um, decision you guys made together as your first child came into the world? When did that decision happen? So that decision actually happened um, before we got married. We had this conversation and of all things, my father-in-law had read some article about how successful women um, tended – the people that reached the top of kind of like business and, and corporate success had a spouse that stayed at home, whether they were male or female. And he made a comment of like, I think Jeremiah would be really good at this. Like I think like he – and it started a conversation. My husband was like, yeah, like I love kids. I love to be outside. I hate to work at a desk. Like I could totally do this. And I was vehemently opposed to it. Like mm-hmm. – I was like, nope, <laughs> not going to happen. Not from a finance perspective, but from a, um, while this was all happening, my parents were getting divorced. And my mom, who had been a stay-at-home mom for 25 years and who didn't have her college degree, was now faced to having to go back into the workforce in her 50s without a track record. And I was like, I didn't want to put anyone in that situation. Not that we were planning on getting divorced. We weren't even married at the point at that point. Um, but it made me nervous. So that started kind of like a long conversation about what we would be comfortable with. And what we ended up doing was he went back and got his master's in construction project management at the time he was working in construction. And that made him highly hireable, <laughs> even if he took a break, like, because that's a, that's a job that is always needed. It's something that, especially that with that engineering and engineering background. So then I felt a little more comfortable that like he would always have an out if something happened to me, if we got divorced and he was just it was better for him to be home. He's so good with the kids. So when we, uh, we got pregnant with our first, he left about two months before our first was born. That's incredible. I love how you guys did this premeditated lifestyle design <laughs> beforehand. That's so cool. That's very ins- inspirational. Thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about you transitioning out of your career. How did you yeah. guys prepare financially, emotionally when you were, I guess, talking to your employer saying, hey, uh, we're, we're going to move away from the job. How did that all work? Yeah. So, you know, we were in a point, right, where we thought we were literally expecting a preemie. We were touring NICUs. We were in the hospital. And when we, you know, met with HR before the birth of my first, they said to us, like, listen, like, sometimes you don't want to come back after maternity leave. Just tell us. Like, we're not going to cut off your benefits, whatever. We just want to know that it's going on. And so... I reached out and just said, listen, this is going on. This pregnancy has been tough. Um, I don't think I'm going to want to come back. I think I need to kind of take some family time and do something else. And they were very understanding. They were like, just tell us, you know, what the plan is, what you want us to tell your team. Um, because at that point I wasn't even in the office, right? It was like 
the expectation was that I was going to go, I wasn't even going to come back before maternity leave. So someone had talked to my team anyway. So we thought about that. And a lot of it is, you know, we think about like how we prepared financially to make this decision. I think we've been preparing for it for years in a way that it wasn't something that was heavily thought about when the moment we went to make the change, because it wasn't the focus. The focus was on the baby and making sure that we were okay and he was okay. And that, you know, worrying about our little one being at home without us and like mom suddenly just like not, you know, cause I put him to bed. Um, and then my water broke, we went to the hospital. So he woke up and I wasn't there. So we were, it was family stuff we were thinking about, but we'd been doing the prep so that when something like this happened, we would have an out. Yeah. That's incredible. So let, let's talk about that transition then after you had said goodbye how have you been able to sustain your life? You said you're making over 400,000 bucks. That's a lot. I mean, I know you said you've been saving a lot, but even so, you might get used to a lifestyle and then you've now started your own new business. So talk to us about like your income today and how you've made that transition. Sure. So we are, we're, we're nearing the end of that runway, right? We're coming up on our two year anniversary. Um, the first year actually went pretty well. We did a lot of freelance writing. Um, so we, we extended that runway a little bit. Uh, and then this year, we have actually been pulling on the runway. The business is doing fairly well, uh, but we've been developing a big project that meant we reinvested a lot into the business this year. So we have been pulling on on what was that savings, and it's been it's been a big change. I think the the lack of identity from losing that paycheck, losing that title, uh, has been a big transition. And thinking more carefully about, we've always budgeted every dollar we spent. I'm just neurotic that way, um, but. Ha- but having to do it was a change, right? We did it before because I like to do it and we always had so much wriggle room, right? We saved 70% of our income. If something went wrong, it was like there was always money there and to, to switch it in a way of like, okay, now we actually have to pay attention was a big change and something that I think was good for us in a lot of ways. My husband got more involved in the finances than he'd ever been before because he didn't used to have to pay a ton of attention to it. But yeah, that's what, that's where we are. And then by we're set up in a way with the business that we'll be able to live off the business come January, um, post this, this thing we're launching and it's just a big change. That's incredible. <laughs> Good for you. So, I mean, you, you, you planned the two years, you use the two years to build the business and now you feel as of January, you're going to be able to live a good lifestyle with, uh, both your husband and your kids. Yeah, we've, we, you know, we were always fairly, you know, we don't have expensive, hobbies or whatever. We like to be home. We moved to a a lower cost house in a lower cost town. We used to be outside of Boston. We moved down to Connecticut. Um, we bought a house that was, you know, significantly cheaper than our house in Boston. So we cut expenses in some ways and we're ready to live a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. Did you think you were, uh, I mean, did you feel like you were a unicorn uh, at working in a, in a in wall street, making $400,000 and saving 70% of your income and then having this transition? It doesn't seem too difficult for you, I guess is what I'm saying. Does, does it seem like you were, you know, standing out, I guess, amongst the, the individuals that you worked with at Wall Street with regard to how much you saved? Yeah. So my first job, which is when I was at Goldman Sachs, um, I had some very, very close friends there that are still very close friends. One of them is the godmother to my first and like awesome friends. I moved to a smaller firm and then I definitely felt like I stood out a little bit. Like I was the person wearing my Carhartt jacket in on winter days, right? Which is not the, you know, on my, my, uh, over my suit or whatever I was wearing. Um, Being from I was, Detroit, I'm all about Carhartt, by the way. So it's all good. <laughs> Gotta stay warm, right? I mean, it's <laughs> like right. crazy. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I always felt a little bit different and our hobbies were different, right? We had, you know, my colleague that got promoted the same year as me wanted to buy a house in Vail with his like bonus money. I was like, we're not doing that, right? (laughs) We We just had very, very different lifestyles. But for me, it wasn't a hard transition 
more because we always knew it was going to happen. It just was a, when was it going to happen? Like it was in college when I was trying to decide whether I wanted to teach or whether I wanted to go into finance that like, there was always going to be a second act that we did something that felt like it had more purpose. And I was so focused on that. And so focused on like the things that actually made us happy that I didn't care as much what my colleagues were doing. That's cool. So how long did you work in that world, the, the hedge fund world? Eight years. Eight years. Okay. And now that you're moving into this new stage of your life, what does your income situation look like per year? Are you guys looking at like $40,000 a year, $60,000 a year just to like live? I mean, is that, I mean, going from $400,000, that's what I'm trying to understand, you know, with the big difference. Yeah. So with healthcare, which mm-hmm. is huge, right? Because I mean, I think our healthcare premiums are 1500 bucks a month. Um, we're at like 75 okay. to live. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then- we'll see beyond that. Now we have the benefit of, we, we sunk so much money into retirement early enough that like, if we don't put another penny into retirement, we can retire when I'm 45. So that money is just kind of coasting. Um, the kids college is just kind of coasting. So, you know, our expenses are, are what they are, but. So you said 45, so you have those in retirement funds. How are you going to be able to access those before 59 and a half or, or later? Um, so some of it is in taxable accounts and some of it's in traditional retirement accounts. I just mean what we tag is our retirement. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yep. Just, just want to help people. Oh, that's a good question. Absolutely. (laughs) Cool. Okay. So let's talk about how things have changed. You know, you, you went from this lifestyle that seemed pretty physically, um, you know, taxing and emotionally taxing to where you are today. Are you a happier person, happier mom, happier wife uh, with your current situation than you were before? Absolutely. I'm a much happier person. And I think that like, I don't know if my relationship with my kids has changed, but I'm definitely far more present with them than I could be before. Because even, you know, first of all, I worked crazy hours, so I was not around all that much. But when I was around, I was exhausted or I was, you know, depressed when we had the the postpartum going on um, in a way that meant that I wasn't as focused on them. Whereas now when I'm with them, I'm with them, uh, which is a, a huge positive change for our lives. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And then now you have this business, you're working at home. How, how is it to work with two small kids in your house? Are they off for daycare? How does that work? Well, my husband's a stay at home dad. Right. So he, that's <laughs> he has right. them. That's a huge help. Um, and we talk about the like work at home thing. I don't often work at home. Um, I'm sitting right now in an office. I said, like one room from a local business. It's like a mile down the street from us, or I'm at Starbucks. Uh, I like to work with a little bit of background noise, but kids are not a little bit of background noise. They're like, <laughs> They're like right up in your face. <laughs> Read me this book. Do this. Uh, so I leave for for most of the day. And so the way it's been working now, my son just started, my oldest just started preschool. Uh, so I'll drop him off in the morning, come and work until a little bit before dinner time and then go home uh, is generally how that works. We'll be back to the show in a moment after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. 
If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. I'm glad you glad to hear you've designed a life that's fitting well for both you and your husband and your kids. And you're excited about where you're going because you are now giving back. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the advice that you have for other moms out there, other parents that are trying to figure out the situation. So let's talk a little bit about the before pregnancy side. We touched on a lot of it together with your story, <laughs> but let's talk about how you know people can navigate this. So what can expecting parents do to prepare financially? And I know what you've done, but maybe just the general population of as people are maybe preparing to have their first baby, what are some things that they should be thinking about financially beforehand? So I think the first thing to think about and the first thing to do is we run into a lot of parents who think their finances have to be perfect before they can have a kid, right? And there's that, like, you see it in the news, right, of all the things you have to do. And it, it, you're never going to be 100% ready. But I think the one thing to definitely do is make sure you've built some kind of emergency fund. Expenses for kids often get overblown of, like, what you actually need to raise a kid, right? Is like, they don't need their own nursery. They don't need, you know, tons and tons of clothes, whatever. But things pop up, right? Like, so for us, we were planning on breastfeeding, which neither of my boys had any interest in at all, despite the fact. So like that meant hundreds of dollars of lactation consultant visits and then formula when they eventually were, I have teeny tiny skinny boys that needed to eventually, you know, eat. So so that was an expense that we didn't budget for because we didn't think it was going to happen. So having some kind of emergency fund for the things that do come up that you don't expect. And then having, you know, I think, having life insurance, making sure you have a plan to protect them is a really big one. Um, I know it's like the last thing you want to think about when you're bringing somebody into the world, right, is estate planning. Um, But I think it's really, really important, particularly if you rely on both parents' incomes. Uh, You don't know what can happen. And this is a good time to do it. The younger you do it as a woman, it is always cheaper. But because of all the pregnancy risks that go into it, uh, it can be cheaper to do it before you're actually pregnant. Um, Those are just some some basic things. And then just having your budget. I think like looking at what expenses uh, you can cut, where you 
you're going to need to start making room for childcare. Uh, if, if you need childcare, childcare is expensive and start saying like, okay, this is the part of the budget we're already setting aside for that. Or these are the expenses that we're going to cut when we have kids so that it's not as big of a shock when the kid arrives and you have to suddenly find room in that budget. That makes sense. So I know that you and your husband decided that, hey, this makes sense for you to be a stay-at-home dad. What other options are there for that child care that people could consider? Sure. So there's, you know, there's traditional daycare, whether in-home or through a program, obviously through a a general program tends to be more expensive than in-home, in-home daycares. Uh, There's nanny shares. So we have a lot of people in our community who've had some success with asking for, you know, a little bit of a flexible work arrangement. Like I want to work at home two days a week and I want to work in the office three days a week and then splitting a nanny with someone who has different days at home. Um, That can cut the cost a little bit. And if you prefer that one-on-one in-home care, that's an option. But yeah, those are, I mean, there's not a whole lot that you got to find or you can find a family member. I mean, for, for people whose parents are retired and who are local, which is obviously a huge blessing, um, you know, not asking too much of your parents, but a couple days a week can cut that cost a lot of you're sending them three days to daycare and, and two days with grandma and grandpa. Yeah, that's what we did in the beginning. We had sort of a hybrid of Nicole staying on part-time work and then both of our moms, um, gotta love the grandma, uh, jumped <laughs> in to take uh, to take some time with, uh, with, our, with our daughter in the beginning. And I mean, a couple of things... It really helped them to have a really strong bond with them, and it mm-hmm. was very helpful for our for our family. So, not everybody lives near parents, but if you do have that option and they are amenable to it, then <laughs> uh, then consider that for sure. Well, let's talk about after pregnancy because you talked about a lot of the things that go on emotionally uh, for for yeah. moms. Um, so, w- I guess what what should people expect as they are, you know, having this baby and then considering going back to work. Yeah. I mean, everyone's experience is going to be a little bit different and it's going to depend on your kid and your attitude toward work. Um, if you're a working mom and you go back to the office, you're going to find that every woman in the office finds you and is like, oh my God, are you crying on the way to work? Is it so hard? And yeah, usually I think for most people it is. I think at most people it's, it's really emotionally impactful, but we've also heard from friends and people in our Smart Money Mamas community that like, that were excited to go back to work, that like didn't love maternity leave, that then felt really guilty. Right. So like prepare yourself for whatever you're feeling is okay. Uh, it's normal and try not to let other people's opinions eat at you too much, which it's going to, because at that point in your life, you're, you're picking apart everything you're doing, but know that there's probably going to be some part of guilt, no matter what you choose to do. Uh, and just getting comfortable telling yourself that, that it's okay. And it's going to be okay. I think a big thing here too, is getting support from a spouse. Uh, if you have one, I think like, husbands understanding that this is a hard time, that if it me if you have room in the budget to get a little bit of help at home, whether that means having someone come and clean every other week or, you know, getting some prepared meals for a couple of weeks, especially those first few weeks back, so that when you both get home, you can just spend time as a family and get some rest. That can be a huge help. I think the sleep deprivation makes this even more difficult. And then the last thing I would say is like 20, over 25% of women in the U.S. go to work, go back to work within two weeks of having their baby. So this expectation that we have this months of time to kind of recover, if you have to go back quickly, and that's the reality for some people, know that you have to find some time to take care of yourself, whether that means asking a friend to come on Saturday morning and watch the baby so you can get some sleep, whether it means, you know, whatever that is, take care of yourself because the rates of postpartum depression and other issues are much, much higher when you're running yourself ragged. You can't do it all. Absolutely. And so we, we talked about the two weeks being the thing, which is oh, crazy that it's that short of a period of time. But if parents were to save up a little bit of money for that transition, how could they extend that, I guess? Let's talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah. So they can, you can save up vacation time at a lot of uh, companies. And the only thing that is protected with Family Medical Leave Act uh, is 12 weeks that you can't be fired. However, if a company has less than 50 employees, they do not have to follow that. So that covers a lot of businesses and a lot of people that are employed. So if you are in a position where you're worried about your job, I think starting to talk to people who are in your team or in similar roles that can kind of help you pick up the slack and who are willing to pick up the slack so that your manager and boss knows that you can take a couple more weeks and that they don't have to worry about like replacing you. Finding that support at work can be a really big thing, but I think just starting to save and thinking early about, you know, how much of that vacation time can you save? Are you allowed to roll over from year to year so that maybe the year before you have a kid, you, you take a week or two less. So you have a little bit more space. But I think the biggest thing for the people that have to go back really fast tends to be that concern about job loss. And that more requires good conversations at work and good backup plans to, you know, maybe this is a time that I transition to something else. I'm going to save up enough to take two months off and then look for another position, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's good to know what your, I guess your rights are as well as a woman who is pregnant that is a potentially a breadwinning mom that is yep. worried, let's say, hey, I, I've become pregnant. And I've, I've had some friends talk about this, that they're worried about even letting their colleagues know that they're pregnant because of this situation. I mean, what can what can they do to feel good about their situation, I guess, and feel protected? So I think a big thing, you know, so there's, if you work in a major company, there's a website called Fairy God Boss that is bringing um, transparency to what gender equality looks like in different workplaces and what the benefits are. So if you have, you know, you don't want to go to HR, you're worried about that, or you're currently looking for a job uh, and you don't want to bring it up in in interviews, Fairy God Boss is a good place to go and, and check out what those things look like. The next thing I would do is... If there are women in your office who recently came back from maternity leave or, you know, even within the last year or two, go seek them out. You know, put a coffee on their calendar and say, what did this look like for you? Where were the hangups? Who should I talk to? Who should I avoid? Um, you know, kind of find that that mom tribe a little bit because they're going to be the ones that understand best. And knowing that, like, yes, you have certain rights to ask things in HR, but HR is there to protect the company, not you. So if it's a small company and it's going to get around, look for another mom first. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good point because sometimes I think we feel, maybe this is just me being like, oh, HR, human resources, they are there for me. They are to protect my, me as a human. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, a business function. And mm-hmm. um, if you are a very important part of that business and that would mess up the potential revenue and things like that, if you didn't show up. So yeah, I mean, it's tough. There's a really good things to do. I mean, find your tribe, like you're saying, and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then rely on some people because uh, it's a tough situation to navigate. Thank you for walking through, us through that. So let's talk, uh, let's talk to the, the mom that is in a full-time career and she's got kids and now she's thinking, I, I, I want to get out of this. I want to transition home and uh, either start my own little thing, uh, my own, my own yep. business, or, or just raise my children. What what can she prepare to do? I guess both parents, what can they prepare to do for this for this reality? So the first piece of advice that I got when I was pregnant with my first, and I tell everyone now, is do not make any major financial decisions in, or any major life decisions in the first six months after you have a kid. Like if you were planning to go back and you went back for a week or two and now you're like, I just want to, I don't want to do this anymore. Stick it out. Give it a couple months. Let your body kind of reset and your life reset because everything's going to look different and then make a decision. You may still want to leave at that point, but it's, it's all chaos at that point. So, so, so stick it out for a little bit. 
And then if you do still feel like, hey, I really don't want to be doing this or I want to be doing a different career or something else, start looking at the budget first of like, can you live on just your spouse's income? How would your spouse, you know, have conversations with your spouse of how would you feel if I wasn't working? How would we make sure that we still stayed equal in work and in in financial empowerment with one of us working? What does that look like? Um, and start to practice it. Um, start living on just one income, start cutting back expenses, seeing how that feels, and then kind of slowly make that transition out. I don't recommend just going in and, and quitting because you feel like you don't want to do it anymore. Um, start testing it out because you will find at times that cutting that budget back and living more lean might be more stressful for you or you might miss work. Um, so start start doing the tra- transition. Ask work if you can cut back to part-time. There's a lot of flexible work arrangements, more and more being available. But yeah, just start slowly stepping into it. Yeah. I like that a lot. You know, my wife and I have had a lot of those conversations, whether it's me considering staying home or her considering staying home or, you know, all these different scenarios. What we've found is sometimes doing like a little test run, like, (laughs) hey, Nicole, go on a go on a vacation for five days. Let me stay at home with the kids because you need a break. And then in those five days, I'm like, man, I like my job. I'm (laughs) I'm excited to stay working. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like instead of making the full leap, just do a little test run. And I, 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 you know, maybe that's, maybe that's something to consider too. (laughs) I think the test runs are a really good thing. And I also think checking in with people who know you well, close friends, parents. I mean, I reached a point definitely after my first where I was like, I just want to be a stay home parent. Like I'm mad that Jeremiah's home, like all this kind of stuff. And (laughs) it was my mom who was like, you would hate that. Like, it feels (laughs) like you would like that right now, but you would really hate that. And she was right. I was in a different headspace. I was not happy with the situation the way it was, but that didn't mean that I wanted the complete role reversal, right? Like I just wanted a different job. Um, so anyway, check in with people who know you because your brain might not be working quite the way you want it to be working at that moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to, you know, figure it out, take some test trials, talk to some people that yeah. have been through it. You said your mother had been through it for a while. So, I mean, having those conversations and, and yeah. uh, really learning. So uh, Chelsea, I, I heard you have some very big news for us today that you want to <laughs> share and I want to support you with what you're doing. So please tell us about the Mama's Talk Money Summit. So the Mama's Talk Money Summit is a project we've been working on all year. I'm so excited about it. It's a free online summit. We have over 40 speakers, amazing, amazing women coming, covering everything from family finance to investing in retirement and career development like we were just talking about. Uh, and then lastly, like teaching your kids about money. Um, registration opens actually on October 7th and the event will actually run October 21st to the 25th. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're doing live Q&A with all the speakers during their sessions. There'll be worksheets to help you kind of take action on each of the talks. We are just, we're super excited about it. Excellent. Well, this is going to go live, everybody. Obviously, if you're listening to it today, this is October 14th. So registration is already open. Make sure you go there. Be sure to use this link, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash MTM Summit. That's MTM Summit, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash MTM Summit. That way, Chelsea knows that you came from our show, and that also supports the show as well. Sign up. Take advantage of this free resource from a mother who's been through a lot of this <laughs> and has had some success and is transitioning into a life that she's very proud of, her and her husband and her kids. And I'm very proud to talk to you today, Chelsea. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's been great. So where's the best place outside of the Mama's Tuck Money Summit for people to connect with you and maybe stay connected? 
Sure, absolutely. So our main site is smartmoneymamas.com and we are Smart Money Mamas on all platforms. I'm on Instagram a lot. So if you want to connect with me, that's a good place to check it out, um, which is at smartmoneymamas. And you can always email me as well, which is chelsea at smartmoneymamas.com. Chelsea, thank you so much for your time today. And thanks for being so open and sharing with us. I think this is going to help a lot of people today. I hope so. Thanks, Andy. are difficult but very important decisions we need to make as a family. Chelsea's story and her advice are helping guide the way. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Chelsea Brennan. Number one, create a runway emergency fund. By developing a large cushion of cash, we're going to create options for ourselves. We can extend our time off at home. We can look into transitioning out of the work world. And we can even give ourselves some seed money to start a small business like Chelsea. Number two, communicate with your spouse a lot. (laughs) Before and after pregnancy, it can be a scary time emotionally and financially. Make sure you're taking time to speak with your spouse about your feelings, your goals, and communicate with them on what they can do to support you with this huge moment in your lives. Number three, find your tribe. Seeking out people in your office or your local communities or just someone who's been through what you're going through can be such a weight off. This may not eliminate uneasy feelings of postpartum depression, but it can definitely help to have somebody to lean on. Chelsea, thank you so much for sharing with us today. I hope your Mama's Talk Money Summit is a huge success And next year is your family's best year yet. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, join the Thriving Families Facebook community. We have just crossed over the 500 member mark, and we've got families in there that are sharing goals, their trials and tribulations, and you can join us too. So check it out. It's free at marriagekidsofmoney.com slash fbgroup. And number two, the second thing, subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. And then the last thing, number three, share this episode with a friend who is pregnant or just had a baby, and they're going through a lot of these difficult emotional and financial decisions right now. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 156. That's session 156. And if you're new to the show, I would highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Brene Brown. Somehow we've come to equate success with not needing anyone. Many of us are willing to extend a helping hand but we're very reluctant to reach out for help when we need it ourselves. It's as if we've divided the world into those who offer help and those who need help. The truth is that we're both. You can do this, my friends, and there are so many people that can help you along the way. Carpe diem! Carpe diem!